Good evening, real life. Come on, I said good evening, real life. Who's ready for God's word tonight? Praise the Lord. I want to ask for your full attention tonight. Because I believe that, that the Spirit of God wants to do something incredible in each and every one of our lives tonight. I'm praying that God change, if you can change anyone, change me first. But God, let's do something miraculous in this room tonight. I want to see the presence of God do something incredible, don't you? I want to see his power. I want to see his glory tonight. If you've got your Bibles, I'm reading from Matthew chapter 9. The word of God tonight is this. Jesus was teaching the disciples of John the Baptist about fasting. The story goes like this in verse 18 in Matthew chapter 9. Nine, it says, while Jesus was saying this, a synagogue leader came to Jesus and knelt before him. And he said, my daughter just died. That's pretty heavy. I can imagine if, if we were in the room when this happened, and this guy came and knelt at Jesus' feet and said, my daughter just died. I think the atmosphere in the room would have just completely transformed, don't you think? He said, my daughter just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. You see the faith in this man. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Tonight, this man knew nothing is impossible with Jesus. This man was believing that no matter what his circumstance looked like, Jesus was capable of doing exceedingly and abundantly more than he could ask or imagine. Come on, y'all. Are you with me tonight? Do you, the, the enemy wants to distract us tonight from hearing his word. I don't know what that is, but let's get it off as soon as possible. Thank you. This man was believing, and, and tonight I'm believing that many in this room will realize that your streak with God is not dead. You're only sleeping. The scripture continues in verse 23. It says, when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd, there were people playing flutes, mourning, weeping, crying, and he said, go away. Jesus said, get out of here. This girl is not dead, but she is asleep. They laughed at him. Can I tell you tonight that many of you, if you try to get close to Jesus and you try to believe the impossible, you'll get some people laughing. But the joke's on them when, when Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. They laughed at him, and, and the scripture says, after, he had, after they had been put outside, Jesus put them folks out the door. He said, y'all gots to go. Can I get an amen? Some of the haters in your life, some of the people who, who get on your last nerve, who mock your faith, who call you a goody-goody, too good to be true Christian, you hypocritical man laughing at you, laughing at you, why you go to church? I know what you did on Friday night. Those people have got to go sometimes. He went and he took the girl by the hand and she got up. A girl that was dead, not breathing, lifeless. He took her by the hand and she got up. News of this spread throughout all the region. 
I'm here tonight to tell you that if you want to keep your everyday streak alive with Jesus, you must be careful to live in the right atmosphere. If you want your streak to be daily, you want to have a thriving relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, where it's every day, you've got to make sure you protect yourself and keep yourself in the right atmosphere. I've been in youth ministry for almost a decade now. And I've come to realize that atmosphere matters, right? Atmosphere matters. The lights are cool, man. Air conditioning is awesome. I thank God all the time for air conditioning. Praise the Lord. I don't like to be hot. That's one of my pet peeves. Man, we got to have the right atmosphere. If I'm dating my wife, which I am after 13 years of marriage, I got to set the right atmosphere in the room. I, I got to keep her in love with this guy. I got to set the, the correct mood. Man, if I don't pursue her, man, if all I did was watch football and basketball, ESPN in the morning, ESPN in the afternoon, ESPN in the suppertime, and then I'm playing Call of Duty at night, man, she is going to kick me to the curb, y'all. You got to set an atmosphere. If you set an atmosphere of faith, here's what I've realized with student ministry. If you set an atmosphere where faith is elevated and we invite the presence of God to come in a setting like this tonight, people who are entrenched in darkness can be transformed and set free in a powerful way. That's what can happen because God inhabits the praises of his people. If we worship him, if we invite him, if we sanctify and set apart a time of our life as holy, God, this is your time, then even the worst of sinners can be set free because of the set-apart atmosphere. They can feel the love of Jesus instead of the condemnation from hell. And I've also seen that good people with good hearts can find themselves doing terrible things to destroy their lives if they're put in the wrong environment. Good people who have good intentions, awesome hearts. They'll do stupid stuff. Even something as simple as an unhealthy work environment can derail your streak with Jesus if you're not careful. Allowing the wrong group of friends to have influence in your life can end your streak with Jesus quick because the atmosphere has been set to forget Jesus instead of pursue Jesus. I've realized that the convictions, y'all, y'all, will understand this. Think about it with me. Class of 2017 in the room, can I hear you tonight? <laughs> Freshman class, can I hear you in the room tonight? Man, we got, we need some more representation from our fresh meats. Tonight, I've realized that the convictions of a freshman tend to be a lot different than the convictions of a graduating senior. Can y'all feel me with this? Think about it for a second. Think about it, seniors, where you were when you were a freshman. Think about what, what y'all were doing, how y'all were behaving, the things you were doing then and the things you're doing now. Because I know what I was doing. I'm about to share it with you. But tonight, I've come to tell you that we become a product of the environment we subject ourselves to. We become a product of the environment. The environment you choose to live in will eventually shape your convictions. The atmosphere you set, the, the place you choose to live in will eventually help 
steer the direction of your convictions. And this is why good people with good hearts do stupid things all the time to ruin their lives, ultimately ending their streak with Jesus. An unhealthy environment will lead you to unhealthy convictions. Freshmen have different convictions because most of them have been more protected. They haven't been put in certain situations yet. They haven't been given the freedom to drive. They haven't yet been to the party where they've seen what happens behind closed doors. They haven't been on an athletic trip with their team yet and seen what happens with the cheerleaders on the bus late at night on the way home from an away game. They haven't experienced something. They haven't, they've been protected. Come on, y'all be mature tonight. We can talk about real issues. When I was going into my freshman year of high school, this is what happened. My, my dad had this conversation with me. Some of y'all may have had this with your father. I don't know. My dad was kind of cool sometimes. And he sat me down and he told me, son, if I ever catch you drinking alcohol, you won't drive till you're 30. And y'all better believe I believed him. The fear of God was put in my heart in that conversation and the fear of my dad all at the same time. I'm like, okay, pops, I'm not doing nothing wrong. Promise. Going into my freshman year, and it was the, the end of the summer going into my freshman year, and my neighborhood had a pool, and right next to the pool was a basketball court, and every day all summer long, you could find me at that basketball court hooping because I'm a baller, son. Ball is life, and I was hooping three, four hours a day, and it was 90 degrees outside of Georgia Scorcher, and I was playing basketball, and my, my neighborhood pool was having this party. It was like the last summer day's party, and, and like everyone was encouraged to bring food and stuff and, and have fun at the picnic table, swim, get some sun. And, and so I'm playing basketball for like three hours, and y'all know as soon as I stop playing basketball, I'm looking at that pool saying 90 degrees, that looks great. I strip my shirt off, jump in the pool. I am enjoying the, the crisp, cool pool. It was awesome. And after I cooled down that moment, I realized, man, I am so thirsty. Have y'all ever been thirsty before? I'm talking, I was so thirsty that there was so little liquid in my mouth that I had what they call cotton mouth. Where I had nothing in my mouth, but my tongue was sticking to the roof of my mouth. I'm like about to gag reflex on my own tongue. I'm so thirsty. So I jump out of this pool and I walk up to a picnic table and I, I ask this, this old man, he's by the table and I'm like, hey, sir, can I get a drink? And, and he's like, yeah, help yourself. And so I grab a cup and I go for the first thing I see and I'm pouring into my cup what I think is apple juice and I start chugging. I chug a few big gulps, and the next thing I know, I am chugging the most disgusting beer I've ever tasted in my life. It was warm. It was hot. It was, it'd been in the sun probably for a few hours, and it was beer, so it was gross. And immediately, as soon as I realized what would happen, I thought to myself, my God, I have just died. My dad is going to destroy my life. I'm never going to drive. My friends are going to disown me because I'm never going to be able to hang out with them again. Man, I'm never going to get a girlfriend. 
my dad's going to kill me. I'm not driving till I'm 30. I'm never getting married. I'm going to live in the basement for the rest. I was destroyed. And the next thing I found myself, that was where I was at as a freshman. That was my conviction. I was innocent. And the next thing I found myself doing, y'all, I promise I am always going to tell you the truth. The next thing I found myself doing, I was at the edge of that swimming pool. And I started diving into the pool, not first, but face first with my mouth as wide open as I could. I'm trying to get the chlorinated water to wash out the beer smelling alcohol in my mouth. And over and over, I'm, I'm jumping into this pool. I get rid of the evidence. I throw the cup away. I'm like, I did not drink beer, dad. Because that was my conviction, right? I had a standard in my life that I needed to live by. Y'all remember when your innocence was there. You remember when you had a strong conviction that you held to. And I, I believe with all my heart, you remember the moment you left it. Fast forward to the summer going into my senior year. Things were different. I'd been exposed to a little bit more. I had more freedom. I did some things I shouldn't have done. And it was, school was about to start, and I found myself going with my friends. We had a ton of people. We carpooled to Lake Alatoona, north of Atlanta. And we went to this place that was so cool. It was a train track that went over Lake Alatoona. It was like a 40-foot drop, and we're going to jump off this train track. We knew it was illegal. And we all lined up on this train track, and the moment we were all about to jump was the moment the popo came. And they said, the first person who jumps off this train track will be the first person to go to jail today. And I'm thinking to myself, I, these were the same friends that just a few nights ago, I snuck out telling my parents I was going to one person's house, knowing I was going somewhere else to smoke some cigars with my boys and hang out and camp out all night long, talking about stupid stuff all night long, doing things like smoking Cigars that I knew could potentially hurt me. And I realized I knew jumping off a bridge was illegal. I knew it was wrong and I could break my back. I knew I could potentially get emphysema or even lung cancer from smoking, but I didn't care. I did it anyways. And this is why. I knew lying to my parents about where I was and what I was doing was wrong, but I did it anyways because of the environment I had placed myself in. I cared more about the surrounding of people that were in my life. I cared more about the peer pressure that was there. I cared more about their opinion than the people who loved me more than anything else. What I cared about was who I was with and not what they thought. What, what my parents would think about the situation. See, the atmosphere you surround yourself with will determine your convictions, and your convictions will determine how long your streak with God lasts. We've got to realize this tonight. Streaks with Jesus don't just happen by chance. You don't be a faithful Christian who every day submits to the authority of Jesus Christ by living, hey, whatever happens today is going to happen today. YOLO. Let's do this. You have to direct your steps. You have to check yourself. If you're not intentional about who you allow in your life to influence your decisions and your convictions, then you will one day find you are no longer in control of your own life. 
Show me your friends and I will show you your future. If you're hanging out with a bunch of drug dealing, drug using dropouts from school, guess what you're going to be soon? You're going to be a drug dealer who's dropping out of school, who's got no future and no hope. You hang out with the gossip girls who backbite and chew all, all the other girls out and, and gossip on social media, bully people, guess what you're going to be? You're going to be a gossiping bully yourself. You're full of, you hang out with a bunch of prideful, arrogant, full-of-themselves jocks who think they run the school. Guess who you're going to act like soon? You're going to be full of pride yourself thinking that you're bad and you're not. Some of us in this room think we're so hood, we're so gangster. We're so hard. And the only thing that's hard about you is the music you listen to. But here's the thing. The more you listen to it, the more you will become like it. The more you feed your spirit with it, the more you're going to adhere to that standard. Your conviction is going to drop. You're going to start doing the things you feed your spirit with. Because that's how life works. The leader whose daughter was sick came to Jesus in desperation but with confidence that Jesus could heal his daughter. What would happen if the students of real life began chasing after God with such a desperation and such confidence that God could do absolutely anything in our lives? What would happen? My daughter had just, has just died, but come and put your hands on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Young person, you need to hear tonight that passionate faith gets God's attention. Passionate faith. Someone who goes after God and says, I know what my circumstance looks like, but I know you can do all things. Many of us are here in this room because we want to streak with Jesus. At least you have an interest in Jesus and what he can do in your life or you wouldn't be here tonight. This man wanted something from Jesus. He was on mission to get it. He was not willing to sit back and watch to see what was going to happen. He was proactive in changing his environment. I've come to tell you tonight, we have to want a relationship with Jesus bad enough to do something about it, young person. You've got to want a streak with God bad enough to do something about the environment you live in. This man wanted his daughter back, so he went after Jesus till something happened. Some of us are wondering, man, my life stinks right now. I feel so empty on the inside. I'm depressed. I, I can't get anything to go my way. I am so frustrated with my professors, my teachers. I, I'm failing my classes. I'm doing terrible. There's a long list of things that you could be frustrated about. I've come tonight to ask you a question. If you're in that category, how badly do you want your life to change? How badly do you really want your life to change? How badly do you want your, your streak with Jesus to actually last? How many times have you said, I'm going to do this. I'm never going back. I'm not going to fall back into the sin pattern that I've been so accustomed to in my life. I'm not doing it again. And yet you found yourself right back in the place that you hate. I'm here tonight to tell you the reason nothing has changed is because you're trying to do the same thing 
over and over expecting a different result without changing your environment. You've got to change where you're living. Instead of having empty intentions to spend time with Jesus, it's time we actually do what Hebrews 4.16 tells us, to boldly come before the throne of grace with confidence and believe Him for the impossible in our lives. Young people, we will find a way to do the things we want to do in this life, and we will make excuses for the things we don't deeply desire. We'll find a way to do what we want to do, but we'll find an excuse for the things we're not passionate about. When I read scripture, I always try to put myself in the situation, and, and I want you to do that tonight. What, I w- what would I do if I were this man that encountered Jesus? How would I respond if, if it were Sophia, my daughter? I'm here tonight to tell you this guy's daughter had just died, and if it were me, I would not leave Sophia's side if she were dying. If she were dying, I would be with her until her very last breath. So I'm interjecting the possibility of this guy's daughter dying in his arms. I've been in the room where all hope was lost and somebody passed away. A couple days ago, I heard word of the tragic situation where some hoodlum stole the life of the precious young lady that we know, Destiny. I know what it feels like to... to feel the weight of, of heavy situations. She, didn't, she was so full of joy and so full of life, and she had such, such a passion in her spirit. And somebody robbed it of her, took her life. I know what pain feels like. So do you. In that moment, this dad realized if he wants his circumstances to change, he better change his environment. Some of you in this room tonight, you're dealing with that, and it's hard. It's difficult for you to think of how you're going to live this life without the loved ones that have passed away in your past. I've come to tell you, if you're not careful, you're going to allow the circumstance that you're dealing with right now to destroy your future. Think about it this way. If, If you were close to destiny and you miss her deeply and your heart is broken because of what has happened to her, I want you to think not about the pain, but I want you to think about how she would want you to respond. Would she want you to be in depression? Would she want you to stop fighting for who, what you believe in and the joy that she lived for? No, I believe she would want you to fight with all your heart to move on and move forward and be bigger than your circumstance. Set the thermostat in your environment. If you want your streak to change with Jesus, you better change your environment, young person. This man got up and went to the only place he knew to go. This man realized that the only way to get life is going after the giver of life. The only way your situation is going to change is if you actually get up and go after Jesus. You actually, instead of just complaining about your circumstance, start opening God's word. Start praying, opening your mouth, asking God, man, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Scripture says when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house, and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing flutes, he said, go away. This girl is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him. And after the crowd had been put aside, he went back in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. Tonight I've come to tell somebody in this room, don't allow anyone but Jesus to evaluate your identity. 
These people thought they knew what they were talking about. They thought the circumstance was over. They thought they were the authority in the situation. But tonight I've come to tell somebody in this room, the only person who can really evaluate your identity is Jesus Christ. Not the friends that are in your life telling you lies. You may have a record because of your poor decisions. You may have a reputation because of the things you've done in your past. If you get in the presence of God and place yourself in the right environment, all of that can change, young person. All of it can change. The mourners and the flute players said, man, this girl is dead. Jesus said she's only sleeping. This passage teaches us we need to allow our all-powerful God to determine what dies and what comes back to life, not the opinions of the powerless that can sometimes surround our lives. Some of us have been in the wrong environment for so long, you've begun to believe the popular opinion rather than the only opinion that really matters, and that's God's. Tonight, I've come to tell you so many things are sleeping or dormant in your life right now that could be brought back to life if you would put yourself in the right atmosphere and surround yourself with the right people. If you would get some things, some, some influences out of your life and put yourself in some situations where people can mentor you and guide you and speak life into your situation. Some of the things that you thought would never happen with your life could be brought back to life by the power of God if you would just set the right atmosphere. The man wanted his daughter healed, so he removed himself from the nightmare he was in the middle of. Man, it would, it would have been heart-wrenching. Everybody that he loved and trusted was probably weeping their eyes out. And in that moment, he sees in his hands his precious daughter, lifeless and breathless. And he got himself out of that atmosphere. He had enough sense to realize that if there was no positive atmosphere, there would be no miracle taking place in his life for his daughter. So he allowed Jesus to take authority in his home and everything changed. Tonight I've, cha I've come to challenge you. You will think like the people you surround yourself with. So if your friends are faithless, man, you're going to be faithless. I'm not trying to mess with you. I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm telling you, the people that surround your life will have influence on how you think and how you believe. If you want your streak with Jesus to last, the atmosphere you live in on a daily basis has to change. It has to. After the crowd had been put outside, get out of my life. You don't have the authority to influence me anymore. He went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. Young person, hear this. If you don't hear anything else tonight, hear this loudly and clearly. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the author of life, had to change the atmosphere in order to do a miracle, you're going to need to make some changes in your environment as well to see big things happen. If the Son of God had to change the atmosphere for something powerful to take place, then maybe, just maybe, little old me and little old you will have to change the atmosphere too. The man in this story 
had friends and family all around him. This little, his little girl was gone, and if he wanted something to change, he had to go to someone who had been down this road before. He needed help from someone who would bring life into death situations. He needed more than just a friend. He needed more that, than someone to just console him and give him a hug. He needed more than just a feel-good hug. If you want to streak with Jesus that last, you have got to surround yourself with more than just peers, young person. You've got to surround yourself. Statistics show that it takes five healthy adult relationships, mentors in your life, where they are mature Christians who love the Lord with all their heart and care about you as well. It takes five of those healthy relationships, statistically, for each and every one of us to have a lifelong relationship with Jesus. The statistics show that if we don't have those five healthy relationships in our life, we're going to face an environment that's going to take our faith out and end us on the road to destruction rather than the only way to life, which is in Jesus Christ. Tonight, I want to close, and I, w- I want us all to stand. I want to invite the leaders to come and the band to come as, as we close tonight. You have the power to change your atmosphere. Can I tell you, you can change the atmosphere at your high school. You can change the atmosphere of of your athletic team. You can change the atmosphere in your house. You can do it, but but here's what happens a lot of times. As many of us, we, we get a really awesome experience like we get in an atmosphere this is why we're promoting the one conference because when you get in an atmosphere where there's a thousand people who are going after God and wanting to deepen their relationship with him that's an atmosphere where the power and presence of God can change things and what happens is we go from those types of experiences and we think we can take on the world praise Jesus we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength which is the truth But in in the Gospel of Mark, and I'm not going to read it, but in Mark chapter 2, we see this story of four friends who take this paralyzed man, and Jesus is preaching, he's teaching in a house, and there's so many people who are filling this house that they can't even get inside the house to get this paralyzed man to Jesus. And what happens is these four individuals decide to climb up to the roof of this house, And they're so passionate about changing this paralyzed friend's environment that they dig a hole in the roof and they lower this man down so that he can be healed by Jesus, the Son of God. And what happens is the the man is miraculously healed. But I want you to realize this truth tonight because of this story. If your friends are not bringing you directly to Jesus, they might be the reason you're far from him. If your friends aren't actually bringing you, if they see the, the, the crippled areas of your heart and life and they're not pushing you, man, you've got to get this right with Jesus. Man, your attitude stinks today. Have you had your quiet time? Have you spent some time with Jesus? Because you may need to. Man, I'm not a morning person. Some of y'all are so cranky and mean in the morning. That's why the psalmist said, early in the morning will I seek you, because you need your attitude right. First thing, if your friends aren't causing the conviction of the Holy Spirit and pushing you, man, you got to get that. You know that relationship is not healthy, girl. 
If your best friends are not saying, man, he doesn't look at you like a Proverbs 31 woman. He looks at you like the video girl. If your friends aren't pushing you to Jesus, they might be the reason that you're far from him. And the other principle I want you to hear from, from this story where these four guys bring their one paralyzed friend. Mark 2 gives us this biblical precedence that a four-to-one ratio can ensure your strength with Jesus. Man, that thing is on my last nerve. Jesus needs to heal our sound system tonight. Can I tell you tonight that it takes a majority to change an atmosphere? That's why it took four people to get this one man in a healthy place. If you're going to be around non-believers, which I believe we should be, we should be light in dark places. We should love those who hate God. We should be the ones who are compassionate and full of love for the people that are far from God. But if you're going to be around non-believers, you need to make sure you have enough support with you that they can change the atmosphere with you. Because if you're one on 20, you're going to lose. But if you're four to one ratio, man, the odds are you can change the atmosphere and you can function in the power and presence of God. Amen? So that's how you need to start. It's a practical thing. If you know that the atmosphere of your surroundings are not conducive to your spiritual walk with Jesus, you need to find three other friends that actually want to grow in their relationship with God. And you need to hold so closely to them every single minute of every single day. And you need to hold tightly to them and ask them to hold you accountable. Ask them to change the atmosphere with you. Ask them to be with you always, not to, not to leave you hanging, not to allow you to go to the places you used to go to. Four to one ratio, if you do that simple practical thing, you will see your life and your relationship with Jesus transform. I promise you that. So tonight, right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, as the band begins to play tonight. Some of us in this room, some things have died. Man, just like this man's daughter. Man, there's some things in your, in your spiritual walk, man, the atmosphere that you've placed yourself in have changed your convictions. Some of us have lost our purity. Some of us have thrown away our conviction to abstain from things we know will destroy our lives, and now we can't get away from it. We're so addicted now. It's, it's consuming our life. It's consuming our, our thoughts. We can't, we can't get our minds off it, and, and we're so entrenched in it. We're so covered and we feel like our, our spiritual life is just completely dead because of it. Some of us in this room are living in that environment. And tonight I've come to tell you all you got to do right now is make a choice, make a decision. Man, I'm going to get these negative voices out of my life. I'm going to get these negative, these mourners, these weepers, the, the flute players, the, the, the people that are trying to cause my convictions to lower. I'm going to get these things out of my life once and for all. I'm going to change the atmosphere that I live in. I'm telling you tonight, that choice is yours to make tonight. If something on the inside of you has been dead because you've let go and abandoned your convictions and you know your relationship with Jesus is far from 
being where it should be tonight, and you need him to forgive you. You need him to bring some life into the deadness of your heart. You need him to help you to have, to regain your conviction, to resurrect from the dead the things that, that you used to hold tightly to, but now you've let go of. Tonight, if you're in this room with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you want to say, Pastor Jonathan, that's me. I'm becoming someone I don't want to become. I never intended to do this, but I've allowed myself to be in an atmosphere that has led me down the path of destruction. I don't want to go that way anymore. I want my life to change. I want my heart to change. I want my convictions to change. I need to be forgiven tonight, Pastor Jonathan. If that's you tonight, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand and hold it high if that's you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, everybody in this room, say it loudly, say it proudly. Dear Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me. Your word promises that if I confess with my mouth, come on, everybody in the room, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you're Lord and Savior of my life, you'll forgive me from all unrighteousness. You'll be faithful and just to wipe away every sin, every dropped conviction, every time I've failed you, every time I've turned my back on you, every time I've allowed other people to influence me and not your Holy Spirit. Tonight I confess those things and I ask for your forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, some people got forgiven tonight. Some people celebrate with us. Come on, y'all.